Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Out the Box with Oatmeal Brown. It's your girl, Oatmeal Brown. You know I'm here to put it all the way down like I always do. And I have my, I have two special guests. One is my intellectual correspondent. The other one is a, ooh, man, I can't wait till y'all hear about what she's got to say on today's topic. But without further ado, I'll introduce to you first. Y'all know who she is, my intellectual correspondent, Dr. Andrea L. Moore. Cal, hat on, I see you. Yeah, you still owe me one, come on, I'm waiting on it. But anyway. <laughs> What's up, family? How y'all doing? What's up? Doing good. Hey, do you see that other beautiful lady over there? I don't know what size she's on, she is to you, but for me, she's on the right. <laughs> the spiritual whistle blower. Hello, everybody. Hello. Jasmine Hello. Clark, baby. What's, What's up, people? Hello. What's going on? Thank you for having me. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, we go back. We go oh, yeah. back like four flats on a Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> Right. GSU in the building. Yep. When I was on uh, the online radio, I had a radio show at that time called Class in Session. And boy, did we, like we gonna have a session today. We used to have sessions back then. So I am just so grateful to be here with my sisters that evolve in their life full circle to be here with you. We still growing together, baby. I love that. I love that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ladies, um, I like to always start out with talking about a current event. I mean, what's going on? We got something going on in the world, going on in your life. What's what's up? What's what's going on right now? You know, you see always something. I'll let Doc start. <laughs> okay. For me personally, um, I am still definitely going through a transformation today is May the 1st. This is beginning of a new month. It's the second part of the second quarter. So I'm always starting off in reflective mode, trying to look where I've been to see where I'm trying to go. Um, I have uh, a lot of preparation and planning that I need to do for the week, but it's graduation season. And part of my job is I get to be a part of Black Grad every year. So I've been spending a lot of energy preparing for that. It's going to be an amazing, an amazing event. It's that time of the year where we are celebrating the excellence of our young folks and their academic legacies. So um, those are things that's going on with me personally and as well as what's going on in my community right now. All right. Sounds good. Chanel, what's going on? Um, as of recent, um, New York City and the hip hop community lost the legend DJ K Slay. Mm-hmm. And um, it was so profound because this is the man, he's my mentor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand. I have, um, well, when I was at Grambling, I am a mass comm major. I was at Grambling and I wrote for Grambling's newspaper. Um, I also wrote for, um, What's the college across the yard from us? Um, Louisiana Tech, excuse me. We had a cross learning. uh, um, We had a program where we could take classes at Tech. So I also took mass comm classes at Tech and I wrote for their school paper too. So I have a history of journalism. So fast forward, you know, many years later, when I moved to New York City, 
Kay Slay was the very first individual to open up the doors. He has a magazine and um, he said, can you write? And I said, yeah, I think I can. I So I wrote for him for three years and then that opened the door uh, for me to get on with Double XL Magazine. I wrote for them for a couple of years. Then I started my own print magazine in New York. So um, I was just with Kay Slay. Um, before he got sick of COVID, um, he had a release party a few months ago last year and we're popping bubbly and having a great time. So this was a huge loss, not just to New York, but you know, he was my mentor. He gave me my start in New York and, um, I interned for hot 97. A lot of people don't know that I interned for Sirius XM. I interned for DJ Envy and all that is due to K-Slay. He opened those doors for me. So that he was just buried, um, I want to say Monday. So it's brand new. So that's what, that's where my head is at for the past week. And, um, you know, trying to adjust to things. So, yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, may he rest in peace, you know, yeah. love and, and comfort to all those who were affected by his loss, you know, that was connected in, in some way, form or fashion. You know, I, I, it's good to hear you, you speak on that in mm-hmm. all the many forms and what happens when, you know, you are connected to someone and people don't know that certain individuals like help a lot of people you know you may not see it on the surface but it's so much going on you know and and you know when we lose people that are like that it's not that we don't suffer a great loss from other individuals but when you lose people like that you know your case Slade and your uh, nipsey hustles you know people that have really a huge impact on a lot of people's lives and their career and their starts, you know, it's, it, it can be um, overwhelming, you know, huge, huge loss for New York. Massive. Yeah. yeah. So yes, just sending out, you know, peace, love and comfort to all those affected by his loss. Um, me, I've been super busy. You know, we all have our hands in different things. You know, I have uh, recently uh, took on a new position and it's, Hey, I'm up for the challenge. Um, I'm blessed and I'm grateful for it. You know, I'm always humble. I don't really say a whole lot. I just do. And then Mm -hmm. whatever I'm doing, I just pop out. You know, if it's meant for me to pop out, you know, for others to know, that's what I do. But other than that, if not, I'm I'm 10 toes down, head down, making it happen, do what I need to do to, you know, achieve my goals and and keep keep moving in life. You know, because sometimes we are blessed and what I say, though, these type of blessings are when you didn't know that they were coming. Those are those blessings from God that yeah. you, know, you weren't even looking for. They mm-hmm. just come to you, you know, and mm-hmm. you have to you have to know that that's where it came from. And it's because of seeds that you sowed, the good seeds that you sowed. Yeah. And those blessings come back. So I totally, completely believe in that my whole entire life. And I'm going to continue to believe in it and continue to put out, you know, the good seeds in life. You know, that's so, right. Because whatever you put out, you get back, even if it's bad seed. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why I always say I don't like to uh, create false narratives or put things on other people that's untrue. Because guess what? One day your day is going to come, and it's yeah. going to come back on you. You know, and even yeah. because those that uh, know that they don't know everything, you know, those are the people that that are are accountable for their actions because we all going to make mistakes. But guess what? If you never own it, you're going to own it one day. Even if you don't want to own it, you're going to own it. <laughs> That's right. 
So, hey, so good seeds. That's all I wanted to say. So good seeds. So we might as well go ahead and get into the topic of discussion because it's deep. And you know what we do on here, right here on Out the Box? We talk about out the box things because we're about growth and healing and we can't keep things under the rug because people are dying, people are suffering, people are affected majorly by certain things that people feel are taboo and they don't want to discuss. So it's not about blasting folks. It's like, come on, let's heal, let's That's grow, right. let's That's talk right. about it. You know, and so we're putting those seeds out into the atmosphere and those that are supposed to receive it, they'll receive it. If they don't, they don't. We can't please everybody, right? Right. So we're here to talk about the perfect family. The perfect family. <laughs> now, does the perfect family exist? I don't think that it does. You know, I have yet to see it. And I'm not just talking about in my own, um, you know, family, but just period. People you know, people you see. Have you ever seen a perfect family? I'm talking about when you know behind the scenes, not what is a painted up picture of, um, you know, some type of Cosby's, the Cosby's, or even the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You know, people were complaining about the series. It's nothing like the sitcom. It's not. It's a drama. It's not a comedy. Oh, they're messing it up. Oh, them are they messing it up? Or did they just paint it up for the comedy sitcom? And then the series gave more of the in-depth drama of families. Come on now. Come on. You know? And so what we're gonna do is discuss Chanel's book. It is perfect for the topic of today. Chanel. Please tell the audience, the listeners, the name of your book. Because, you know, everybody will like to say it. So we're going to let you say it, baby. <laughs> the book is called My Family Can Kiss My Ass. How to Deal with Toxic, Messy, Narcissistic Family Members. It is available on Amazon, paperback, and Kindle. There you go. And that's the black sheep. I don't know if y'all can catch the, the, the cartoon, the illustration. The black sheep represents the scapegoat of the family. And the white sheep are the bullies of the family. <laughs> and the black sheep has finally had enough and said, y'all all can kiss my ass. I've had enough. <laughs> wow. Yes. And it's so many people that are black sheep of the family. Oh, yeah. You know, and you I call them the Moses. The, you're the Moses of the family. So if you know the backstory of Moses and what happened to Moses, then it resonates. For sure. For sure. Chanel has several other books. We're going to talk about that, you know, towards the end of discussion. So you can see all the, the books that she has to offer out there on Amazon because she is a big author, baby. And hey, she's got a lot going on and you'll be able to follow her and follow her journey and get these books that she has about the different topics of, you know, it's really about, you know, talking about the things that are taboo and that we need to heal. Mm -hmm. really and truly she has some other stuff relationships all of that so we're gonna get into the book and um getting to the depth of how these type of things happen how does the black sheep come about you know why are family members ganging up to attack those who go against the grain of what they have lived in to be the norm. Mm -hmm. 
You know, why is that? Why, how come there's not a discussion? Why is there a gang up? Why do they feel that this person is uh, blasting everyone or so different in a negative way when really it's like, okay, if this person is not doing what everyone else is doing and they're doing things to grow, why is that so taboo? Why is that so bad? Uh, like what what did you how did you start out in your book um going into you know why well um well first and foremost i am a survivor of narcissistic abuse and through trial and error um just with my family my parents are narcissists both of them and um, it took me 30 plus years to figure that out along with my grandparents, both sets. And um, it comes along with, you know, your family repeatedly bullying you, ganging up on you and treating you like trash. And are we allowed to curse on here? Cause I yeah, like to curse. Yeah, okay. The motherfuckers like to gang the fuck up on you and um, you keep forgiving them. Like this is mom and dad. The Bible says you only have one mother and father. I got to keep forgiving them. And every time you go back, even though they're in the wrong and you put the differences aside to, to mend the relationship, they keep kicking you down. They keep kicking you off that pedestal. They keep turning family members against you. Why are your siblings gossiping about you? Why are your aunts, your, your, your nephew, your nieces, they manage to turn people against you so you feel isolated. And at some point you gotta say, what the hell is going on? It feels like I'm on a hamster wheel with my family. Nobody wants to stop. I got to get off this hamster wheel if something's going to change. So in terms of my situation with my family, um, even as far as going back to college, Grambling, I'm the first one in my immediate family to go to college, a black college. And they sent me off horribly. I had one tiny little bag with clothes in it. And when I moved into, um, I, it was summer of 94, I, I moved into Wheatley before they tore it down mm -hmm. and I'm sitting here you know I was happy to be free because I've been abused my entire childhood but I'm sitting there watching all the kids and their parents moving their TVs their microwaves their beddings like their parents are just and I'm sitting there wanting to cry like I don't have any of that I'm the first one to go to college and look how my family has done me so it's just been repeatedly over and over and over again family kicking me in the teeth me being forgiven because I was trained to forgive and overlook the abuse to have no boundaries. They train you to have no boundaries. They train you to be, there's a term called parentification where they turn a child into an actual parents so that the parents can run the streets and do they, you know, whoring and whatever they do in the streets. And you as a child are taking care of the rest of the family, the siblings. Mm -hmm. I had two jobs in high school. Every payday, my mother took my whole check to pay the bill. She didn't work. That's parentification. So, you know, your, your family is grooming you from childhood to be a servant, a slave, a toxic codependent, so that when you become an adult, you don't know how to survive in society. You got to learn. You know, a lot of people that came to Grambling, you know, were escaping their families and starting mm -hmm. a new life. 
So that that's what it is. You get away from family. You don't know how to survive, but you're going to find a way because your family don't want you to survive. They want you to be dependent on them. And that's what a toxic, narcissistic, enmeshed... The, the term is called pseudo-mutuality, by the way. It's when... Uh, a toxic family system appears perfect to the world. They go to church every Sunday. Um, you know, everybody looks happy, but behind closed doors, everything toxic is going down and they threaten the children. Don't you say nothing. What stays in his house goes, what goes on in his house stays in his house. Don't you. And that's where they pass down the trauma. Mm-hmm. So the black sheep is the one, the Moses who steps out. You're going to break that generational curse. And with that comes scrutiny. Your, your family's going to hate you. They're going to trash talk you. They're going to call you crazy and everything else. But it's okay because God is ordering your steps. He, that's your assignment, your purpose. You mm-hmm. can't worry about what family has got to say about you. So that's how I got here. Trial and error with my family. I got sick and tired of being on that hamster wheel. I got off. And this is where I'm at today. Jasmine, thank you for, sorry, Chanel, thank you for sharing that. I wanted to know if you could break down um, the difference between the traits versus the type versus even having, breaking down that it's a disorder and there are some traits that go along with this disorder. You may see it in this way, because sometimes people use this word all the time. Like it's become so trendy that they want to slap narcissistic on everything. Yes, I'm gonna break it down. So just to be clear, we all have narcissistic traits. Everybody does. When you're taking a selfie and posting on your social media, you're being narcissistic. Um, when you're being raised in these families, like both my, my mother's a sociopath, my father's a covert narcissist. The coverts are the worst because those are the ones in the church, praise the Lord, amen, hiding behind religion, <laughs> using the Bible scripture to manipulate and abuse. Most pastors are coverts, by the way, and we'll get into that later. The pastors are the worst. But um, when you grow up in a system like this, your family, you're going to pick up their behaviors. There's no other way around it. It isn't until you cut family off and you move out, you go to college and you get around other people and people are like, that's wrong. People are going to pick you apart. Like, where'd you learn that from? Uh-uh, that ain't, that's what happened to me in college. I got checked because the shit that I picked up from my toxic parents, I brought it to Grambling and I got checked fast. Girl, we don't do that here. Where'd you learn that? And da, 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 da. So it isn't, you don't realize just how fucked up you are from being raised in such a toxic environment, you're going to pick up narcissistic traits. Um, The term is called narcissistic fleas. It's like a residue you pick up from your family. So those, we all have the traits. But when you separate from family and you start getting into who you are, you start growing and evolving and you go to therapy and you work hard to get rid of everything you picked up from your family, you're not narcissistic. You're not a narcissist. A full-blown narcissist is the one that says, I know I'm toxic. I don't give a fuck if I'm toxic. I'm not changing. I don't care. And I'm just going to keep doing what I do. Either people get with it or they don't. So there, that's that's the difference. We all have toxic traits we picked up from family. We all pick up narcissistic traits. But the having the traits doesn't mean you're full-blown. There's actually nine characteristics of being a full-blown narc. You have to have at least five of them to be recognize so we all have something we picked up but when you start to evolve you're like i don't want to be nothing like family i don't want to be nothing like i love them to death but dear god 
get me right because I don't want to pass this on to my children. You understand? So that's the difference between having the traits and the actual full-blown disorder. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, go ahead. And now I was reading a little bit about <clears throat> how there is adaptive narcissism that can be helpful in our upward social mobility because we need some level of self-confidence. We want to be able to celebrate ourselves. There's ways where it can be productive. And then there's mm-hmm. typically the maladaptive narcissism that's unproductive. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on that as well. Adaptive narcissism, I I guess another term, some people have asked me, do you believe in healthy narcissism? And I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm on the fence about it because I associate narcissism with demonic behavior because mm-hmm. it's a manipulative behavior that destroys people. It'll push people to commit suicide. It causes health problems. Um, I feel Tracy Braxton died from narcissistic abuse, even though it was cancer, she was surrounded by narcissists. And if you're surrounded by that energy all the time, it'll affect your health. So I'm on the fence about it being healthy in any type of way or adaptive. Um, I believe in self-love, self-awareness, but in terms of narcissism, it's just evil to me. I can't associate it to anything positive. That's just how I feel. And then the self-love, I don't think everybody understands what self-love really is, you know, versus narcissism or being, Mm -hmm. you know, narcissistic Mm -hmm. because, you know, self-love has nothing to do with um, what name brands you have on, um, how much money you make. It has everything to do with knowing who you are on the inside and being comfortable with that. And mm-hmm. not saying that you can't have big titles, you know, not saying that you can't um, achieve big and, and have uh, luxury items or, or what have you, whatever you want, whatever you want in life. That's not saying that you can't have that. But if you're empty on the inside or if you are not healing you know, from your family trauma or past traumas or experiences that may have happened outside of your family, because that happens too. You know, you Mm -hmm. can grow up and your parents can do, be everything for you. Um, No parent is perfect. Like, you know, some of those parents that, you know, brought their kids, you know, TVs and microwaves or whatever, that's all they did for them. You know, yeah. they weren't there for him emotionally. You know, they may have had the money and they're like, okay, you better. That's make- a narcissistic parent too. They provide Correct. financially, <laughs> but there's no emotional connection. Right. No yeah. emotional connection. And so there's so many different uh, ways to, that people don't recognize that um, there is, you know, a broken family mm-hmm. happening because mm-hmm. they only see the surface. And, and right. like you said, you know, the um, people hide behind the word of God all the time. All the time. And I love the Lord, okay? I love God. I I worship God. I praise God. I know without God, I would not be here because I need him to keep going. You know, I need mm-hmm. the spirit. You know, I need to make sure my soul is right. I got to heal my soul. You know, even if things that we do that we make the wrong decisions or we go left and, and we supposed to go right. I mean, we're going to do that in life. But, you know, being able to recognize that and, and thank, be thankful for another chance and let me get it right and let me grow and let me evolve to be better. You know, and I kind of see that's what the black sheep does. <laughs> You know, I have not seen a black sheep that doesn't do that. Oh, we the game changers of the family. We the game changers, honey. 
We yes. coming for blood. We, 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 we changed the whole narrative. We flipped the script. That's why exactly. we're hated. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like, oh, do you think you're better than everyone else? No. Yep. It's that, no, you you chose to, to take a different route. And it's not because they were so bad because you may not have known that they were so bad, like you said, until you got out into the world and experienced and you were around different people and they check you or even if they didn't check you, you're open to learning and you see something and you'd be like, hmm, so this, what I learned wasn't right. You know, so you can keep, you can keep that passed down generational trauma or you can decide to make a different decision because you have been exposed to or you learned whatever that was is not correct. Well, you're better on it. When I, when I say better spiritually, you're developed, your discernment, your, your connection, your way ahead than the others. For sure. In that, in that sense, totally. Yes. Because life is about a continuous spiritual growth. And so Mm -hmm. that's why, you know, some of those that are like, you know, I like when Kirk Franklin says, get the actors off stage, you know, and let church begin because this, the, the actors are the ones that it's like, where's the spiritual growth? There's your, you can read and you can emulate, but where's the application? You know, right. where's the, where's the application? When are you going to use that, you know, with, within yourself and, and it can be seen. And then that also helps everyone else around you. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to get, you know, spiritually deep really quickly, but it all ties in. And so when you see these things, even when you're in the church, you know, when there's the girl, uh, there was this meme and boy, was it deep. And I commented on it. Somebody, it was a couple of people that post this meme was going around a couple of weeks ago. And it said, how come everyone in the church can tell when a female is being fast, but not when she's been molested. And it's like, Oh, I can answer that. That's a mic drop. Because you can't tell when she's being molested, you know, by someone at the church, by a family member or whomever. But you can tell when she's being fast. Like, come on here. The ones that are calling her fast are doing the molesting. That's why. Mm -hmm. Or they know who they know who's doing the molesting. And they're they're covering. They're covering because they like them because maybe it's uh, a minister. Maybe it's a a favorite person that's in a ministry and everybody loves them, you know, or maybe it's a favorite family member and you're like, no, we're just going to brush it under the rug. That means you're messing up those children's lives, those those young women's lives because you didn't want to believe them. And you want to treat them as if they're the problem. Oh, they believe them. They're just refusing to. They're just going to protect the the abuser. They know the child's telling the truth. That's, That's what's great. sick about it. That's what's yeah. real sick. It's really not. Sometimes they are also victims themselves, and this is how they were trained to deal. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I feel. Um, you mentioned in your book that our parents are our original enemies. And you talk about how the root of this comes from our toxic families. And in in the beginning, you talk about your grandmother being a malignant narcissist. And from what I, from just a little bit that I began to read, you're saying she's the root. So I was so curious to know, do you go on to go into your grandmother's life to figure out what was her upbringing? Where did she get this from? Who groomed her to also be this way so that um, we can, you know, because 
yes, it's great that we're learning about the traits and the patterns and we're identifying, but we're also in the space of healing. And we're talking about a black woman, right? And when we mm-hmm. think about the role of the black woman in our family in these generations and in this church in particular, and to hear this is the one that's saying, shh, don't speak about it. This is the one that's being the person telling you to deny. This is the one that's perpetuating all these patterns. I'm, I was so curious to learn more about your grandmother and her life. Oh, well, both my grandmothers, um, yes, they both have very tumultuous upbringing. And that would be two separate books. Um, well, this, the, the latest book I wrote that I just put out, I Can't Stand My Mother. I talk about my maternal grandmother. She's a covert, but the grandmother you speak of, she's the malignant. That's my father's mother. And when, when I say, um, and I love her with all my heart, um, but I mean, she's an ex-convict, um, violent, physically. Um, she raised three boys and was married to my granddaddy. She ran that house. She ran all of them. She emasculated all of them. She's a very dominant masculine woman. But um, I, her upbringing, her father was, you know, Rolling Stone. And she had a rocky childhood, as my mother did. My mother had a real fucked up childhood. They mm-hmm. all did. We mm-hmm. all come from dysfunction. The thing about narcissism, and this is my thing, when we get to become adults and we have our own children, we all have a choice. This is what messes me up about these narcs is we all come from dysfunction. But when you become an adult, you have a choice. Am I going to put my child through the same shit I went through? And this is where narcs make a conscious decision. I'm just going to pass this shit right on down to my child. They choose to do this. They choose. I'm a mother. My daughter's 21 now, but I knew before narcissism, before I learned about any of this, I knew I didn't want my daughter going through anything that I went through. So that's what's messing me up is their conscious de- decision to continue the abuse and pass it on to their children. It's everything's a choice. We all you, come from some, we yeah. all come from dysfunction. We all do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you believe a narcissist can heal? No, no, no. I know personally, you know, cause I coach hundreds of thousands of women every year. Um, stories of their parents being on their deathbed and grandparents and saying horrible shit on their deathbed or writing their will out so Mm -hmm. that their children are still fighting Mm. uh, after they pass away. Mm. And that's to exert control. I'm going to control you from the grave. Mm -hmm. So the narcissist does not change even when they're on their deathbed, even when they're dead. And they will pass the, they've trained certain children in the family to take, take, you know, they pass the torch. When I die, you are to continue bullying the scapegoat of the family. It's very sick. It's very sick. It's so ever sick. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm punching them in the throat. I'm, it's so <laughs> fascinating because I think about we are all in the cycle of breaking curses and or breaking or changing patterns in our family. And and what we have seen it, it, it looks like we have to sever. There's so much severing of ties that we have to do in order to create that full transformation and that full shift. It's mandatory. There's no other way around it. There's no other way. You have to sever. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many people that choose the cutoff and, you know, they may be saying they're going to they're gonna cut the scapegoat off because the scapegoat knows too much. 
You know what I'm saying? Or the scapegoat is too uh, advanced in, 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 in seeing and acknowledging that there's their issues. You know what I mean? And because you don't want to go along to get along, then you are made out to be a problem. Well, the scapegoat, when, when, when you say they cut off, it's only temporary because they, the scapegoat can't be gone away too long. Who they going to bully if they cut cut the scapegoat off permanently? So they, they will stalk. The, scape, the scapegoat get comfortable with staying away. They will stalk and try to pull the scapegoat back in. The role is you, you're to be bullied. That's your role. So it's temporary when they cut off the scapegoat, but they coming back. To pull the scapegoat back in. You spoke fully, but then I also think so much about the people pleaser, the people, the child that was groomed to. Yes. That then, you know, is caught up in this cycle. And this is like, you know, if I'm being transparent here, I've I've experienced so many of the things that you've written about in your book. And I know so many other people have too, you know, all the way down to the word for the word. And there's some of us who have been called a narcissist, parent, or partner, or person, which I have been. And so I took that very seriously and wanted to examine what is it that I am doing that makes people that I love feel like that about me. You know, and I went to my therapist and everything. I went to loved ones. I went to different people and asked, and, you know, and I had to come to my own learning of what all that really was. But there it's was- projection. Yes, right. There was so it's much- projection. Yes. There's so much projection, but there is a piece of being the people pleaser, right? Because you still hear even me saying, I had to ask these people, I had to ask these people. And so I wanted the people who are listening to you, you are dropping gems in this book of how they have been caught up to, to be patterned in that way that's connected to being the good daughter, the good woman, the, the virtuous woman, all of these things that you, you're tapping around and touching on, but how it's rooted in that people pleasing part to be liked by others before you like yourself. Yeah. I went through all of that with my family and what usually happens, we transfer this from childhood into our adulthood and we get into the habit, we people please our boyfriends Mm -hmm. and and we gain toxic female friendships. We get the people pleasing them too and they still shit on you. Mm -hmm. They still shit on you and you realize, wait a minute, you know, why do I keep getting walked all over? I mean, no matter who it is, even at the job, people treat you, people can just smell it on you, you know, and your family has groomed you to be that people pleaser. Again, the word is parentification, the caregiver. A lot of people that are um, grew up in narcissistic families turn into nurses. They go into professions where they have to be a caretaker, a social worker because family has trained them to take care of everybody but themselves. Mm -hmm. So they go into those types of professions. Um, Now there's toxic people in the medical field too, but I know a lot of beautiful people that are nurses and school teachers because they're just beautiful in in spirit. But also family will get you to, um, another bad habit is explaining yourself, you know? When somebody accuses you of something, you go overboard with explaining something. What you got to understand about narcissistic people, you could be standing there with the evidence in your hand, photographs and everything. They're like, get that out of here. We don't want to see your evidence. You're guilty. So they're committed to misunderstanding you no matter what you tell them. So we got to unlearn, unprogram everything that mom and dad taught us, the people pleasing, all of that. And it's like, you got to retrain your brain reprogram reparent 
Stop explaining yourself. It's got to be like, fuck all of you. That's my attitude now. I never, I used to be a people pleaser. I used to be shy, quiet in the corner, timid. I took a lot of shit off of everybody. Never spoke up for myself. Mm -hmm. Today, it's F you. F you what you think of me. I'm not going around asking this one what they think or what that one thing is what I say. And that's the end of that. Yeah. So that family will groom you to people, please, and explain yourself. Then it's gaslighting too. And then you start self, self gaslighting. You start gaslighting yourself. Mm -hmm. That's how bad it gets. Yes. And so, you are talking about how the church grooms us as women to be like this as well. And then it, it revokes your womanhood and your essence of you being a direct independent person if you're not being subservient in these ways. Can you make the connection to perfectionism with this narcissism? Because well, we're to like not make mistakes. And if we do make mistakes, you know. Well, you know, the thing about the church, well, I'll just say the black church because I was raised a Baptist and, you know, being that my mother is a sociopath, she sang on the church choir, my grandmother's the church mother, and then the most toxic motherfuckers in the church. Um, that perfectionism comes from the narcissist being obsessed with how people view them. But they don't want to put in the work to be, you know, that ideal figure of perfectionism. Behind closed doors, they're using people, they're grooming the people behind them to make them look good so that they can claim the credit. So that's where the black church and all their grooming comes from because they're running their mouths, but best believe they're stepping on other people's backs and using other people to maintain the facade they've created to the outside world. That's why they're obsessed with this whole perfectionism. Mm -hmm. There's nothing perfect about them, but they want to be perceived that way. So they train us to help them with that image. And then we become obsessed with helping them. That That's the people pleasing, being subservient. And, you know, um, they also believe they're godlike. And this is what makes me believe there, there, there's no connection to God. What? So these people are not spiritual. They're fake Christians because they want you to view them as God. They, they have this God-like persona, mm -hmm. you know? So when, when, when you're young and being groomed at that young age, you're going to look at the narcissist in such a manner, whether it's your mother, father, grandparent, pastor, you're going to look up to them like, wow. They, you know, everything they say is law, but, and that's why they force toxic codependency down your throat. But when you break away, you become an arch enemy because when you break away is where you're going to find out they've been lying all along and there's only one God. And when you get right with God, you're going to see how fake they all are. And wait a minute, this is idolatry. We not supposed, I'm not supposed to be worshiping any of y'all like your God. And I'm not supposed to be subservient to any of y'all. I serve him. So they're obsessed with perfectionism and they train us and teach us because they need, they can't build themselves up on their own. They always got to step on and use people to build themselves up. So they're obsessed with the facade, if that makes uh, sense. Yes, we want, we want the people to know that, you know, these are these are different experiences. You know, everybody has a different experience. So, I mean, yes, if, if you can relate 
to what uh, Chanel is saying, yes. But don't force it to make it a fit of your situation. You know what I'm saying? Because we all have different experiences and different, you know, scenarios and, and situations. You know, I know like for me, my parents were, um, they only could be who they knew to be based off of their generational, you know, passed down stuff. You know, so a lot, sometimes people are uh, learning from scratch or are out there just, you know, learning on their own. They have, they left the nest. And so then they're trying to build off of the dysfunctional pieces that they were given, right? And so then you have parents that are imperfect because parents are going to be imperfect. And then there are the parents that, you know, are truly narcissistic. You know what I'm saying? That are truly controlling and using the word like honor your mother and father. Like I still mm -hmm. honor my mother and father in their debt, right? But I know how to pick out what wasn't right and what was right. You know what I'm saying? So certain things because I knew, you know, my mom, my mom was a real one. You know what I'm saying? Even, you know, in the church, she was a real one. There were certain things and not that I saw her say and do, but I was like, we're not supposed to, you're not supposed to say and do that to somebody at church. And she would be like, be quiet because you don't understand that this person, you know what I'm saying? Is not being godly, right? And so she would put her foot down, you know? And so the, I saw through her, you know, certain examples of when people weren't right, although they were there. You know, and so she was like, I want you to get the right thing. You know, you get the right thing. But just know that there's going to be people there, people you know, people in your family that are not going to be right. You know what I'm saying? So I need to make you knowledgeable, yeah. you know, so you can have discernment. Right. You know, as you're moving, you know, through life. You know, so I always honored that because she wanted you to me to know what my worth was, right? But that doesn't mean she didn't deal with hell. You know what I'm saying? And those type of things, because we are going to deal with certain situations. And, and so being taught the spirit of discernment are knowing how to attain that. And it's going to come through trial and error. You know, you can just be, want to be a good person and people still use you. You know, mm -hmm. our people still may feel like, oh, you you think you're this and you think you're that or you think you're better. No, I just want to be who I know I am, who I am. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And if you want to be who you are, that's cool. But if they if we not on the same page, that's cool, too. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you don't we don't have to uh, have that that nasty spirit, you know, because where is that nasty spirit coming from? Right. The Jezebel spirit. Right. You know, uh, where, where is it coming from? Because it can, it can be passed down. Because you might, maybe your grandma was a certain way. Maybe your aunt was a certain way. And you got that, you know? But I didn't get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's these things, you know, it's, they're interchangeable. But, um, you know, I just wanted to, you know, just touch on that a little bit because... You know, I want people to know that you can still be dealing with certain things or it still can be happening to you, um, but just in a, in a different way, because it could be in reverse where you to pop off like you've been popping off like, no, you're not going to do that to me. You're not going to say that I'm not going to take your stuff. 
and then you're still cast out. You know what I'm saying? So don't think because you you come you come out boxing that you still gonna be liked and loved. You know what I mean? It's, 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 and because you you know you do, but then you like I'm not gonna be a doormat. Right. But they can still try to treat you like one. Still try to make you out to be that you're nothing, mm-hmm. although that you are something. You know, so there's so many different dynamics, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. this thing. And you know, mm-hmm. I always say, well, me, you know, I'm I'm always about clear communication, clarity. Why don't you just ask? Why don't you include everybody in the conversation? And so when you said, you know, it doesn't matter if you have proof, if they're committed to misunderstanding you or if they don't want you to be correct, they're going to get into that. What did you call it? The gang, the bully, the whatever it is. Um, They're going to agree that we're going to be this way, no matter what the real answers are. And I'm like, I don't understand that. Like, wouldn't you want to know what's right? You that know, the way that the way that their brains are wired is is not logic. It's correct. not. It's wired. It's wired it's like for you. Energy. Yeah, it's wired for you for you to be the target. Mm-hmm. It's not wired that we want to know if we're right in what we're targeting, but we're gonna put all these pieces together mm-hmm. that we. Uh, our our insecurities or our false narratives, we're going to put them together and we're going to make you the villain. Mm -hmm. And even when those pieces start falling apart and you're not the villain, nobody's saying nothing. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's being accountable. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's stepping up to the plate and be like, you know what? That was crazy. You know, I was wrong. We were wrong. Where are those people? They are few and far in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't understand that they can't do that because something is wrong. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, what I'm saying with your spirit, it's yeah. not right. It it's a, it feels like a parasitic energy that doesn't want to die. So when it feels threatened, this uh-huh. is what it does. So yep. because it knows that it's going to die very quickly. The more people have the awareness that you're speaking about. And so because it feels threatened, it's trying to find anybody's host, which is when we're not eating well, when we're consuming bad. It's looking for an easy uh-huh. host to get into us so that it can continue to grow and live because it knows that it's on its way out even. I really feel it. Yes. And we've had this very hard reality where God has said, even if it's somebody you love. Right. You hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, you have to release, you know, and, and, you know, we all grow. At first, I was a releaser, like, we're going to go head up, release. But then God showed me like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and so, you know, even with uh, my father, used to be like, forgive, 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 right? But he didn't mean forgive like it's going to be all hunky-dory, everybody going to get back and be cool again. It's forgive because the forgiveness is for you. So you can release that, you know what I'm saying? And so you won't become like what it is that you're so angry about. Mm-hmm. But with the, but with this, I'm sorry, with the narcissist, they not only want you to forgive, they want re-entry so they can abuse you again. And that's where the confusion, the blurred lines come, you know, for a scapegoat because we are forgiving, we are empathetic and loving, 
Mm-hmm. But we give them another chance and they're just going to abuse even harder because in their minds, because the way they're, they're warped and they're thinking, they think you like the abuse because you gave them another chance to come back in. So there's no other choice but to sever. They force you into a corner where you have no choice but to sever. Right. Because abuse is going to continue every time you forgive. Right. But sometimes it's the, it's the, you're at peace but the other people are at peace. And so they're trying to say that you're going to serve their peace, right? Like there's like the- That's some the gaslighting. Yeah, it's the gaslighting. It's gaslighting. Yeah, they use the opposite when it's actually, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the opposite. Yeah. You mentioned vexatious litigation in the courtroom. So like now we're able to see how some of the partners are bringing folks into court just to harass them from these places so they can again, you know, have a a showcase for all their narcissism to just be on display, but not realizing that we're witnessing harm being done to the person being brought to court. Can you speak to that a little bit more and what you think we can do to eradicate that? Well, we are starting to see change The state of Connecticut recently just passed a law this past October called Jennifer's Law, and you can Google it later. But what it is, is lawyers and judges have to now recognize what is called coercive control as a form of domestic violence. And coercive control is nothing more than narcissistic abuse. It's emotional abuse. It's withholding money so you can't pay for daycare, you know, or, or just doing spiteful things. I don't have to lay a finger on you, but I'm I'm going to control you in such a way that I'm abusing you and nobody knows it. That's coercive. Because a lot of judges and lawyers don't recognize narc abuse as domestic. It's, it's, it's the worst form. I mean, physical abuse is bad, but narc abuse is worse because it's invisible and it's covert and it's hard to prove. So mm-hmm. now we're starting to see Connecticut did it. Uh, Seattle, Washington is in the process. I expect New York because we're usually up there when it comes to mental health, but that's what it's going to take. Um, and I just want to tell ladies because women, I think the divorce rate is what 70% now. And it's women filing for a divorce. It's because women are sick of narcissistic men. Narcissists do not marry for love. They marry to trap their spouse is once you're trapped. Mm-hmm. Once you're trapped, he feels you ain't going nowhere. And if you do file for divorce, you're either going to end up dead or he's going to drag that out. He doesn't want a divorce. You know, he's telling people he hates you. He can't wait to divorce you. Divorce means permanent loss of control over his victim. So vexatious litigation is when they file frivolous claims, frivolous paperwork to drag out the court case. And it becomes a problem. You're wasting taxpayer money. You're having a case adjourned. These monsters do it deliberately. So now we're starting to see Connecticut, Seattle, and I expect other states to start joining. Uh, Not the South. The South is pretty, you got to be near dead for the South to take domestic violence seriously. I'll just pray for the South. But we can start to see changes up here throughout the country in terms of coercive control and vexatious litigation because it's, 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 Clearly, the abuser fearing to, to lose control over his victim. Oh, man. And what are, what are, you know, because before we get to that, we, before you get to the part, before you get to recognizing that you, you're in this relationship with the narcissist, 
Mm-hmm. Are there red flags? And do those red, and, and for you putting up with it for so long, is that a, a insecurity? Like, what what is it? Why do we get into relationships with these type of men or, you know, men with these type of women? Because there are women that mm-hmm. are out of control as well, you know. Oh, but, the women are worse. You know, so, um, um like, because you know they're they're always here sometimes in certain scenarios because every situation is different. Mm-hmm. That they'll be like, you know, that nigga did this, that nigga did that, that nigga did this, and was like, but didn't he show you? You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes they show you, sometimes they don't. Sometimes guys are good. You know what I'm saying? People are good at acting until you know, or sometimes it may turn in the middle. It takes a turn. You know, so like, how do you identify? Is there a red flag prior to getting caught up and getting married to a narcissist? Yes and no. And okay. I say, first one to all my sisters if you keep getting into a string of relationship with narcissists, look at your daddy, look at your mommy, because the person we get in relationships with has the same personality as your parents. And that might take some research and therapy. Even if your parents don't touch you or verbally disrespect you, they can emotionally withdraw and that's abuse. And you transfer that into your romantic relationships and you keep getting with narcissists. Mm -hmm. The answer is always connected to who raised you because your parents normalize that behavior and you're just connecting with someone who has the same personality type as your parents because it's normal. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't want to accept that mom and dad could be coverts. You know, you got to figure out there's so many different forms of narcissists. You got to figure out which one they would fall underneath. You know what I mean? But um, what was your question again? I'm sorry, I drifted a bit. Um, how many like the red right? flags, you know, like the red flag. Okay, okay. The red, the red flags, and this is something that our parents should have taught us. And this is another sign of narcissistic because narcissistic parents don't want you to be independent. They don't want you to know shit. So red flag, if he moves the relationship way too fast, okay? I love you, you're my soulmate. You know, if he trash talks his exes, red flag, honey. Don't ever sit up and let a man bash another woman to you because you're going to be next on that list Mm -hmm. when he's done with you. Mm -hmm. You're going to go right on that list of crazy exes by the end of the relationship. Um, Narcissists, um... The same things they love about you at the beginning of the relationship, they're going to hate about you at the end of the relationship. Also, too, ladies, before you get in deep with the man, look at his family because they're the ones that raised him. That mother is the ringleader. She's usually the queen narcissist that that coddles him, enables him to be a fuck boy. Um, they work together as a tag team, but they're gonna play it cool. They're gonna play, he gonna play you against his mama. He might slip up and say, you know, I can't stand my mama did this to me when I was young, or my father. He'll talk bad, he'll, you know, trying to build with you and get deep with you. But when you get deep in a relationship, he's gonna talk shit about you to his family. So he's gonna play y'all against each other. Narcs do this thing called triangulation. They love staging cat fights. They love playing people against each other. They love setting you up with the side chick. You don't know who the side chick is, but why does she know all about you? Because he's talking about you to the side chick. So when the end of the relationship comes, you're like, this bitch knew about me the whole time. Yeah, because he's telling her everything about you. And then when you break up with him, she's still going to stalk you. 
Why does she know all your social media pages? Because him and her are working together to keep you pulled into that love triangle because he wow. can't survive without the energy that's created from the love triangle that's called narcissistic supply. Mm. It's, it's energy fuel. They need it like oxygen. Mm -hmm. So they're constantly creating scenarios where you're against his mother. If he has a grown daughter, he'll triangulate you against his daughter. They treat their daughters like side chicks, by the way. If he has a baby mama, he'll pitch you against his baby mama. If he has a sister, they most of them have jealous, toxic sisters. His sisters know all the side chicks and they'll smile in your face. So wow. narc, narcs are incredibly insecure and um, they're jealous. They target very strong people because they want to pull from you, hijack your personality, your identity, steal things from you to impress the side chicks and the people after you. So they don't have no identity. So they, they got to steal and break you down, chop you down to nothing by the end of that relationship. They usually isolate you from your friends and family, very controlling. Most of them are on the DL, by the way. That's a whole nother topic, the download mm -hmm. stuff. Um, very demanding. You're dealing with a toddler trapped in an adult body. Narcissists are underdeveloped emotionally. So you're dealing with a very childish and mature individual you're going to turn into a secretary they can't do shit on their own you're managing their fucking life to the point you're drained and you can't even focus on yourself and your goals they do this horrible thing called sleep deprivation they deliberately keep you awake at night to drain your energy bacterial vaginosis stds they're serial cheaters um you gotta remember they collect people because they're insecure the more people they can pull into their circle the more validated they feel. Mm -hmm. So that's it in a nutshell. Um, Cause I can go on for hours um, on, yeah. on this, but I want my sisters. We, we are such a target and I'm tired of us getting ran through by these type of people. It's just, you know, I'm tired. Our parents, our family should have taught us this and they set us up to fail in our relationships. So speaking of that, I've looked up um, how to not raise a narcissistic child. Mm -hmm. And it talks about, um, you know, just giving them everything and not let, teaching them how to understand no and to mm -hmm. accept they can't get everything. Um, I think that if we begin to have this awareness and read and identify it within ourselves, read your texts and others, we can then begin to have conscious parenting to not pass that on because it comes from a place of a deficit, like you were speaking earlier, that we feed it directly into the child thinking that we're filling them up in a particular way, but we're passing on narcissistic character traits. I'm so glad I you brought that. I want to interject really quickly. Okay. So what when you just what you just broke down chanel like you covered narcissistic friends you you covered relationships you hit all of them when you were just talking you just hit them all on the head okay mm -hmm. and and i just want everybody to 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 uh to go back and listen to that and receive that what you just said because it it not only um highlighted somebody that you're in a companion relationship with but it could be your friends you know what i'm saying it could be your work or you know your work your work environment all of your environments that you're in you know to recognize the discernment of dealing with narcissistic individuals and how they're pulling in 
you know, and pulling from you, um, you, you know, your energy. And, and they're predators. They're energy yes, vampires they're predators. and they're predators. They're predators, mm-hmm. definitely. They are predators. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to highlight that before we got any further and before I forgot, you know, mm-hmm. what you said, because it was very important. You dropped some huge gems. Mm-hmm. And there. that's a condensed version. That's condensed. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> you dropped some huge we can go. gems there that we want not only am I going to go back and listen to but I want the listeners in the audience to go back and listen to that because that gives a lot of, of, of why certain people move a certain way mm-hmm. you know and you may not be able to in- identify that they're moving that way but they are yes so you know I just wanted to highlight that yes. Um, she asked an excellent question. I'm so glad you brought up the children because I cannot tell you how critical because this is, you can't change an arc. They're going to die that way. So how do we teach our children? How do we prevent them from that? And one thing, before we started learning about this stuff, because I'm guilty of it too, because we were abused, we spoil our children and give them more. And you can create a narcissist by spoiling your children. That's how my mother, my mother was, my, my grandmother abandoned my mother, passed her off to her, her grandmother to raise her. And because my grandmother was a narcissist and said, F my child, I'm going to treat her like trash. My mother's grandmother raised her and spoiled the crap out of her. And that's how she became a narc. She wasn't beaten. She wasn't cussed out. She was spoiled. Because her real parents, her mother and father said, you're trash. We don't know you. So there was no emotional connection to mom and dad, but grandma compensated by spoiling me. So now you create a self-entitled spoiled brat that now treats her children and husband like trash. So we have to, with our children, we can't give them too much. And I've been guilty. I have one baby, but I've been guilty of overcompensating for the lack of so we have to, um, now that the education is getting out there and I'm writing a children's book right now because there are, I have some clients where they're beautiful people but they have adult children that are narcissistic and are abusing the crap out of them. And there's grandchildren involved. They love the grandbabies but they can't stand their children because their ch- the child, and they don't love the child. One thing about narcissists, this is what irks me. I'm so glad you brought it up. When a woman is pregnant the nine months and you're in a relationship with a narc, he's either going to abandon you because he doesn't care about the child. He got you pregnant to trap him and lock you down. So after you have the baby, he has unlimited access to coming in and out of your life through the child to continue the abuse. So he'll either abandon you during the nine months or if he sticks around, there'll be verbal, physical, some type of abuse. And guess what? The stress from the abuse transfers to the unborn fetus and this is why so many babies you know my daughter had developmental delays autism asperger's heart problems that's all from narc abuse while the mother was pregnant and i tell ladies if he's abusing you during your pregnancy don't put his name on a birth certificate because now you're giving him legal rights and then when he gets custody he's going to abuse your child during a visitation oh i'll be schooling my sisters so the first red flag, you get pregnant by this man and he treats you like garbage. It's not going to get better after the baby gets here. That's number one. Number two, protect your children from your family 
because they will groom your child when your back is turned. You at work and they're babysitting your baby, your family are narcs, they're gonna turn your child against you very gradually, very slowly. Your child will have behavioral problems. The in-laws, the same thing. The father's a narcissist and his family, they're all narcs. They're gonna turn your child against you. So we gotta get into, we have to protect our children, but teach them at the same time. Healthy boundaries, we have to develop them emotionally because the narc is not developed. And if your child has any type of developmental delays, the narcs in your family and your in-laws are gonna stop you. They're gonna say, that baby don't need no therapy. Don't put that baby in no recreational therapy. Because they want the child to stay vulnerable. They want to manipulate, groom, or possibly molest the child. So they want to keep the child vulnerable. They are totally against therapy, narcs. It's like kryptonite. My family tried to talk me out of putting my baby in therapy. Thank God I didn't listen. Your baby has any delays, put them in therapy. Doesn't mean nothing, there's anything wrong with them. Why would you stop a child? That's child abuse to me. And narcs emotionally abuse children, whether they spoil them too much or manipulate them, it's all child abuse. So we got to protect our babies from both our family members and the in-laws. Yes, you have a book called Protecting the Pawn, Co-Parenting with the Narcissist. I yes. definitely pick that up. Yeah. Yes. We got to protect our babies because we 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 dealing with our family members and the in-laws. You you're sandwiched in between it. And they're coming for the baby because the baby is vulnerable and easy right. to groom. Easy to groom, easy to manipulate. They 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 target children all the time. They don't care about them. Yes. But we so. ourselves also need to get healing, you know? Um, so we can identify, you know, the areas of where we need to to make sure our children, you know, are okay. You know, yeah. our, our, our younger generations are okay. You know, we have to go identify that we've got an issue or there's something that um, we've got generational trauma passed down and we don't want to be that way. You know what I'm saying? So we don't want to pass it down. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because there are certain things that we've learned or we were exposed to that just wasn't right. And so you don't want to, you know, uh, continue to pass down um, those things onto your children. Because then there's the reverse, the other side of the narcissism where you have become a narcissist, right? And yeah. so every you're against everything that's right. You know what I'm saying? And you're for everything that's wrong. You know, and so there's so many dynamics to this thing, you know, and everybody has all these different experiences, but there's still a root there, you know, that there is some generational tra trauma going on. And so you want to get down to the root of it, to, to, to decipher and get that spirit of discernment. And guess who it starts with? That's why the black sheep, they decided, hey, I'm going to get down to the root of these issues, okay? Because we want to stop it. The buck stops here. The yep. buck stops now. So if I'm gonna take the arrows, if I'm gonna get shot in the back by whoever, your family or whoever, because they can't see. Because when you're in it, you cannot see it. Mm -hmm because you're used to functioning mm -hmm. in it. But mm -hmm. when you're out, 
you can see that that is not how we're supposed to function. So when children are growing up, just like us, when the children are growing up, they don't know anything else. Right. So it sounds right coming from everybody else besides the black sheep. Yeah. You say the black sheep. I always say the chosen ones. The, the chosen ch- ones. Yeah. Yes. The, chosen. the star seed. Yes. Yeah. The chosen. Yeah. They can't, they don't know any different. Right. So it seems to be that that's correct. No. You're you're in a place of dysfunction. So you don't know that there's different until you get out. That's it. That's it. Until you so, get out. Yes, indeed. Heavy lifting. Heavy lifting. Heavy lifting, but it's much better on the other side. Yes. yes. So <laughs> for your life and your journey in life, you know, and you and who you're supposed to be. And you better go for it and do all that that is. And whoever she is, you know what I'm saying? Or he is. You better go for it and live your life. Yeah. Because life can be short. And most people in life, when that, that become, you know, hooked, strung out on drugs or uh, alcohol or uh, just get caught up in life, going down the wrong path, it is rooted in some shit that happened when they were growing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could, I mean, Michael Jackson, Prince, um, Whitney Houston, we could go down the line. All of Hollywood. All of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? All of them. All it's of them. rooted in something that comes from your childhood and your upbringing. Now, the things that you get exposed to, that adds on top of it. Don't get me wrong. You know what I'm saying? But the root. You always go back to the root. That's where it's at. You know, and your diseases and all that stuff that happens from holding things in. So you don't want to be a doormat. You don't want to hold it in. You want to get help because you can get sick. That's how cancer starts. From within. Diseases start from within. All that worry. All that stress. All that holding it in. I don't want that. We we don't want that. You know? So you have to go get help. Seek therapy. Seek healing. And it takes a process. It's not something that's overnight. But you got to start. Because you, it's not, you're not going to heal 30 years, 20 years, 40 years of shenanigans. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In one year. Well, I just want to say thank you for having me on because my, my battery is going to cut off. I don't want to shut off in the middle of, of, of talking, but I want to thank you so much. We might have to do a part two because there's just so much more that I did not get to say that I want to just tell and teach my sisters and um to protect y'all but i thank you so much for um having me on and um having this discussion and um hopefully it changes some it touches somebody one person at yes. least you for know sure. thank you so much and before you cut off tell them where they can follow you you know tell them where they can Ooh. get your books 
TikTok. You can follow me on TikTok, um, Spiritual Whistleblower. I'm popping on TikTok. Instagram shut me down at 42,000, so I had to start over. So my new Instagram is I Love SWB. I am on Facebook. Facebook got me in jail right now because I speak too much truth. <laughs> so uh, Spiritual Whistleblower on Facebook, YouTube. I have thousands of videos on YouTube and Patreon, Spiritual Whistleblower. So um, it's all narc abuse. If you ain't ready, don't, because I, I don't hold back. And I cuss and everything. So, um, you know, I just pray to set as many sisters as free because I love y'all. And um, this stuff that I'm teaching, nobody taught us coming up. It's like they just set us up to fucking fail. They really did. Yeah, girl, you better blaze your trail. I saw one of your new your new uh, uh, characters. I was weak. She was oh, like Princess, Princess Pick Me, the Pick Me. Yes. Yes, Princess Pick Me. Yes. You got y'all gotta catch Princess Pick Me on Instagram <laughs> on I Love SWB on yeah. Instagram. Princess yeah. Pick Me is a fool. She crazy, but she's yeah. a clown. And, yeah. and baby, yeah, it's a lot You'll of clowns. You'll see a whole there. lot more of her too coming up in the future. You'll see more skits from her. So Yes, indeed. Yeah. So we want to thank you. Thank you so much, Chanel. You know, we're going to hook up. And she's got something, an event going on coming up. Oh, yes. I'm doing a narcissistic abuse seminar, Atlanta, Georgia, Saturday, May 21st in a couple of weeks. So book signing. Um, if you want any relationship questions answered on the spot, um, come out to Atlanta. Tickets are on sale. Just follow me on TikTok or Chanel Jasmine at Gmail. That's my email. But Atlanta, this is my third year coming back to Atlanta. I always do great in Atlanta. So, yes, yes. indeed. Yes. And y'all go on Amazon and uh, put in Chanel Jasmine Clark. All of her books are going to come up. Yes. All right. And thank you, Doc. You had some great questions. We could talk forever. I could tell me and her could just talk. Yeah, Doc don't have a question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Thank you so much for pouring into us today. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Well, okay. we about to wrap it up. And guess what? We hope that y'all enjoyed today's show. This is going to be out on YouTube and it's going to be on Apple and Spotify and all your podcasts. And my TikTok. I'm going to repost and it. And her TikTok. Yes. You know, has clips on all over the social medias. Okay? Yes. All right. But until next time, peace, love, and we out of here. Good night.